This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, everybody. Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio on the Aftermarket Weekly Show. I'm with Ryan Baxter, and he just come back from Alaska, and I had to hear all about it. Good to have you here, Ryan. Uh, Modern Auto Service in Fruitland, Idaho. Good to have you, man. Thanks. Good to be here. Yeah, thanks for being here. A Napa Auto Care Advisory Board member. I, I think I saw you last year, uh, or was it this early spring? It would have been spring. Yep. It would have been spring this year down in Atlanta. Good to have you on the podcast. Your first time on, excited, and I love your story. This guy, he's an employee development advocate and passionate about training. Can't wait to hear all the cool stuff you have going on. You know, there's a lot of things going on. I just want to put a couple of overlays on to remind the world what it is that we seem to be so heavily involved in and excited about doing. First of all, we're going to be part of the Dorman Training Center at... Um, the Warminster campus of ATC in Warminster, Pennsylvania. That would be on September 23rd. I'm doing the keynote there. ASTE, of course, September 28th through the 30th. Apex, Joe's Garage, October 31st through the 2nd. Tracy and I are going to be there with our studio, as well as will Tracy be with me at ASTE. And then we're going to Max. Tracy will be there with me also February 1st through the 3rd in Orlando. Going to bring the studio, do the keynote there at um, the Mobile Air Climate Systems uh, Group. Great people down there. Great, great people. We decided to go with Dorman Training as the sponsor for the last half of the year. So glad to have them. Dorman Products creates hundreds of new automotive replacement products every month. Part of what makes Dorman so unique is their ideation of new and innovative products. They have dedicated teams all across the U.S., Mexico, and Canada looking for new product ideas. Since every solution starts with a problem, these teams of researchers, field analysts, product specialists, and contributors consistently visit repair shops and make field calls. Now, this is to best understand the problems the industry is facing. In certain cases, Dorman will manufacture aftermarket replacements so you aren't forced to go back to the OE. Other times, experts take it an additional step, further solving what made the original part problematic in the first place. Solving for a problem is what powers the innovation engine at Dorman. Dorman Products has become an incredible engine for innovation. They are constantly bringing new replacement parts to the automotive industry, and they routinely release tens of thousands of parts across all different categories. Now, why do they do all of this? To enable technicians the freedom to fix their customers' cars and trucks. To do this, Dorman has dedicated teams focused on different aspects of the vehicle to ensure that they are meeting the needs of the aftermarket. Although a lot of their parts are reverse engineering of original equipment, they also redesign and redefine solutions such as their loaded knuckles or programmable electronic power steering rack. Dorman has invested in these OE fix innovations to help you save time, your customer money, and prevent vehicles from coming back to your shop. In certain cases, Dorman will manufacture aftermarket replacements so you aren't forced to go back to the OE. Hey, want to know more about Dorman? Visit dormanproducts.com forward slash tour. Oh, thanks, Dorman. One more really quick thing. You know, we do an awful lot of YouTube channel, uh, podcasts on just about every single podcast app uh, that's out there. So please uh, subscribe, follow us. Hey, good to have you on for the first time. What I found out about you, man, is that like you are so passionate about training. I mean, so am I. I mean, I recently had on Scott Koshetta, Alan Bass, and Randy McClure from Napa Training. I know you're a Napa guy, and uh, we had an incredible episode because, you know, going out and talking to some shop owners, I said, so, you know, what do you do for training? He said, well, my guys won't go to training. 
And I say, well, who owns the business? Okay, Carm, stop being a smart ass. <laughs> How could we get by today without concentrating, be it management, soft skills, be it technological? And, and I know you believe in all of that. Yeah. I mean, and so for us, it started pretty early with setting aside time every week. So we closed the shop from noon to 1.30 on Thursdays. And that was just to, to create the space, you know, because most of the training that we hear about is after hours or whatever, but there's a lot of stuff internally that, you know, things get busy and you just keep doing the same thing. And this is time in our schedule that, you know, we can talk through it. We can find solutions as we go and work on some of those skills that are hard to find training on. You know, how do you, how do you convey empathy to a customer? That's a different thing and people have different experience and there's a lot of different avenues for training. And I think that we need a lot of different avenues for it. Ryan, take me to the day that you said enough of this insanity of doing the same thing every day as much as I have this on my to-do list and I know it's important and I want to do it. How do you actually get it done? I mean, I think all of us have stepped over a deadline, if you will, that we keep lazing back into, you know, the lazy boy, comfort chair. Oh my God, end of the day, fall asleep for the next five hours, do nothing. How did you step forward? I guess just for me personally, I just knew that I had to plan for it. There's always things to fill our time. And so if I don't create some system to help me do what I need to do, I'm probably not going to do it. And so when it came to our training, you know, early on, I wasn't fully committed to it. So I said, hey, we're going to do this training. But I had customers walking in. I had the phones ringing. And so I'm all over the place. And after about six months of doing that halfway we decided, you know what, we're going to put it on Google. We're going to put it on our doors. We're going to lock the doors. We're going to be committed to working on this now and just kind of stop the interruptions. So that commitment, that fully committed, did you realize you were your business was going backwards until you decided to say, I'm going to do this? I mean, you weren't fat and happy. No, I mean, and it was early on. So it was like, you know, I kind of hit the ground running. The way we started the shop, I built a big shop with a ton of overhead. And so... It was a full-on sprint to just break even. The typical way of, you know, you start in a little shop and you outgrow it and you outgrow it. I kind of bypassed that and was only a few months away from not having that work out, but it worked out well. How big is the shop? It's 4,500 is the footprint and then 3,500 of that shop. And then we have the thousand feet, two stories. So we have a training room upstairs and then we have the office downstairs. Cool. So is that on Thursdays at noon? Is that where you go to the training room? Yeah. Which historically that has just been an unfinished room, but it's in remodel or it's in, I guess, completion mode now. So we're getting it finished off. So it's had like one little light bulb for a thousand square feet. So we're excited to get it a little more finished. Big screen TVs. That's right. Yeah. Computer power, all this stuff. So this 12 to 1.30 every Thursday, you close the shop for training. Did you ever bring in somebody? Are you doing virtual stuff? Are you just maybe just sharing philosophy, culture with your people? What's it like? Yeah. So, I mean, we started off just in this last year, we've really dialed in core values and our mission statement. So every week, one of the employees shares a core value. So some way that they've seen that core value throughout the week. And then, you know, we go through just normal stuff that's come up. What are we planning? What's our next shop activity? Kind of the to-dos. And then we have a technician that's preparing to get certified. We might go through and do test questions and prep with that technician. It takes a lot of different angles. Um, and we have brought in some different trainers, both technical and like 
EQ and personality traits and that, that kind of stuff. And then, you know, we bring people in after hours as well. And that's from a training standpoint, that's one of the things you look at in 2020, we had such a reduction in what options we had for training. And so uh, we looked at one of my old instructors school rather than send people one at a time out for training. We just brought him in. So he came in for two days and he did lab scope training and that was cool because we could cater it to us. I think a lot of training, you're kind of teaching to the lowest, whatever, lowest student, you know, you're trying to catch everybody up. And so that was a great way for us to just be able to cater it to the team and what we really needed. Ever take a shot with your team to talk about business, gross margin, retention? For sure. I mean, we talk about it with the whole crew, but I have coaching for both my advisors where they've got somebody one-on-one that works with them on the targets that we're looking at. So, you know, parts GP, labor GP, GP per hour. They've got somebody that holds them accountable and helps take the time to explain it so that, you know, we all have our different piece in the puzzle. And I've got a coach that helps me. They've got coaches that help them. And it's great. Take me back to the day that you said, no, 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 no. Then yes, I want to hire a coach. So it's funny. So I was a sales rep for Napa beforehand. And so I was no stranger to... You know, I look at the shops that I know have coaches and I can see the difference. And so that was my plan from early on. And so I went to one of those shops before I started mine and I said, Hey, what do you think about this? And he said, Well, you need to get to a certain level of sales volume before you can justify the expense, but take this class. And so it was guerrilla shop marketing class that RLO training offered at the time. And that kind of got my, cut my teeth a little bit in it. And I think it was their way to kind of see, do you actually fit into this? And then they talked to me afterward. And I don't think you can start too soon into coaching. One of your greatest memories or takeaways from guerrilla marketing? That's a good question. Probably labor inventory was one of the first big things that you can never get back today's hours. You know, you can do whatever you want tomorrow, but what you don't do today is gone. I know. Every wasted minute that we allow to happen in our world is something we're never getting back. Your people, I know you told me you're so passionate about retention and benefits for them. Walk down the aisle with me on your passion for that. Getting with a coaching company didn't just help me professionally. I mean, I think it helped me develop personally and find fulfillment in the work that I do. And that was something I wanted to have for our team. You know, I want them to be developing. I want them moving in a in a good direction where they feel just fulfilled and content in life. And that comes in a lot of ways. One of the things is by having a good team, I have more flexibility. I'm able to enjoy more control of my time. And so from a benefit standpoint, one of the things we really looked at is how do we be more generous with the time off that we offer them? And I think as an industry, that's the market that we live in now. People value time off. And so as a shop, you know, if we give people a week of time off in the year, we're probably not going to attract many of the younger people. And so, yeah, anyways, I could go deeper into that. But time off, I think is a, it's a hard one because we're a production environment and we bill labor. But I think it's important for us to figure out a way to structure our environment so that people can have a good amount of time off. And I think if we do that, we'll have less turn. So if I ask any of your technicians, anybody who works for you and say, hey, what's really great about working at uh, Modern Auto Services, did they let me have a life? Would they say that? I think they might. Idaho's not the hottest place in the world, but it's going to be 104 today. And we made the decision to put AC in the shop a couple of years ago. 
And when you talk about a life, when you're laying on top of a car that's 200 degrees in a shop that's 102, there's nothing left in the tank when you go home. That was a big one that you tell that to people in other industries. We put in AC and they're like, what kind of world are you living in where it's an accomplishment to put in AC? But in our world, that's not very common. And I think regardless of production in the shop, that was a huge benefit to employees to be able to still have some fuel in the tank when they go home in the evening. You're right. I'm hearing more and more of that when it comes to trying to make the work environment so much easier. You may only go a couple of months up there that you would ever need the air, but you got it when you need it. So you would consider that the benefit program, the air conditioning, the training are all retention tools for your team? Totally. Yeah. I mean, we haven't had a lot of turn, but that was something I plan when we built the shop. There's a lot of different ways you can build a shop and you're concerned with budget, but I wanted a really bright shop and I wanted it to be the place that people want to work. Because it's one thing if it's efficient so we can get production through, but it's another thing if the shop is somewhere that people can be proud of working in. And so even from just how we constructed the shop, I want people to want to work here. And you know, if an employee starts a job and wants to go show their family around or friends around and it's a dump, that's just not something to be excited about. And so I, I think from every angle, from the benefits to also just the environment that we're in, I think it's a positive one. You got a wait list? I guess I kind of do. I got the feelers out. You know, there's always people that we interact with that we don't have openings at the moment, but if we do, then we'll talk. If you had one tomorrow, would you be able to pick up a phone? Oh yeah. I've got some people I can call. Cool. Cool. If you call them and they were satisfied, where would you go then to find text next? We do a lot of stuff like Facebook through people who are connected with us. So people that already have an experience with us and that helps. Who would they feel comfortable working on their vehicles and the, who, who do they think would be a culture fit? Because I've had a lot of people that say, man, this person's a great tech, but I just don't think that they would fit there. To take that for what it is. I mean, good or bad. They know what our environment's like. And we do indeed. We the you kind of have to try all the different avenues, but um, it seems like more often than not, we get people that contact us. I mean, we have a fairly steady flow of applicants that just come in because they see us online or drive by the shop or whatever. What's onboarding like? So our shop's just coming up on seven years. So, I mean, we're still fairly young in that sense, but it's becoming more and more what a system driven, I should say. So before we hire somebody, we do a working interview. So we get them in the shop so we can spend time with them, make sure that we're a good fit for them. They're a good fit for us. You know, we've got the administrative piece of it and then they've got a buddy, you know, somebody that's there to help them for the first week to kind of get through our checklist and make sure those things have been done. And it's a gradient, you know, some of our employees that have been here longer, they didn't have any of that. It was just start and figure it out and ask questions as you go. But I think that's something we're trying to make more streamlined as we go. Good stuff. Ryan, you told me that you are an employee development facility. So does that kind of mean that you're doing apprenticing? We do. Yeah. My lead diagnostic guy just went out for surgery for a knee surgery and it ended up being a lot better than expected. So he's, he's back. But one of the things that we prepped for was for two months, we took a, uh, our light service person, the one that had been doing oil changes, stuff like that. We replaced him, got him to train his replacement. And then this was our first time we've done apprenticing type stuff, but this is our first time dedicated. Hey, this is your employee. He's your arms and hands. 
and that was mainly just prep. And then we had a, a game plan that he was set up remotely. He was going to kind of help us walk through some of the diagnostic steps and help this newer technician. And it was really cool a couple of weeks ago when, when our diagnostic tech was gone, uh, we were out in the shop and I was talking to him and going through diagnostic procedures and he kept bringing up, well, you could do this with the lab scope and you could do this with the lab scope and these different things. And I was like, how is it that I'm intimidated by this tool? And I'm a master tech, like I'm a diagnostic tech. It's still an intimidating tool to me, but he doesn't know any different. He's been mentored under somebody who has embraced it and who knows it. And so he doesn't know the old school way to do the testing. And it's awesome because in the shop, I mean, we all get intimidated that, oh, we got to figure out this new technology. He's come in under somebody who embraces it. And now it like, that's just what you do. So that's been really cool. Ryan, is he under the official uh, Napa apprentice program or not? He is not. I need to get the ball rolling on that. So, yep, I have started the process, but I have not done the official Napa deal yet. Even though he may not be an official quote, quote, I've been, you know, playing around with the words. In fact, I'm not the one who came up with this and I'm trying to remember who it was. It could have been uh, Keith Perkins. It could have been Tanner Brand, who said that, you know, our entry level GS type people should be called production apprentices. Because they're there helping in the production of the entire shop, but they're also in the most learning curve. We want to give them a career path and get away from those things, but they've got to learn. There's so much to learn about shop safety, vehicle safety, personal safety, just, you know, to introduce someone into the shop. Plus all the tech. Go back to the thought you had. Well, he wasn't intimidated by that. Is Is it maybe because he was young? And this stuff is like, ooh, this is cool stuff. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's a combination of we embrace technology in the shop, but to varying degrees because it's intimidating to know how to set a lab scope up when you're not used to doing that. But then, you know, how do you solve that? You use it for everything. You, you let it replace your multimeter, even though you could probably do it faster on the multimeter because you just need exposure and muscle memory to get used to the system. Everything that we use here is all software-based, software-driven, the stuff that we do. And when you want to learn something new, you just got to work it. That's what you just said. Just let it be part of the mainstay of everything that you do. You got to work it, work it, work it. You talk about stuff that's full-featured, things that it does that you have no clue that it does. You got almost got to push your thinking when it comes to encouraging our young people to come in our industry you know, the world's their oyster. When you've grown up with the technology everywhere, they can figure it out. Like they know how to, what button to push and, you know, that's their world. You're involved in the Chamber of Commerce. You are deep in the community. Love to hear this. Give me an idea what you're doing. I was one of the founding members for our chamber. The Our community had had a Chamber of Commerce and it had dissolved years ago. And so our chamber's about as old as the shop. I kind of got into both at the same time, but we're the main one that puts on events in the community. So we've got five events that we put on every year in the community. And then, you know, just a lot of promotion and support for new businesses. So that's the passion side. You know, that's what I really have fun doing. And it's cool that the shop has gotten to a point that, supports me more doing more of that. So how many days a week are you working? So we actually switched to a four-day week this few months ago. It's April. I'm still kind of stabilizing mine. So right now I don't have an office in the shop. So I'm doing most of what I do from home, but uh, usually two or three weeks. That's a cool way to kind of back off a little bit. Yeah. Necessity is great for getting you to change behavior. Just get rid of your office and all of a sudden you got to figure something out while while it's getting redone. So are you doing four 10-hour days? We do. Yeah. So we open Monday through Thursday. We just, 
you know, made our days a little longer and it's been awesome. I didn't have super high expectations, but it's, you know, and for me, you know, it's like, even if I was to make, work a four day week, you still got stuff going on at the shop. And so for this, it's like the weekend is truly the weekend. It's great. Interesting. Uh, buddy Scott Felzer does the same thing. And uh, I've just recently interviewed him on an aftermarket weekly. We toured his remodel and uh, he was saying Thursdays at three, it's giddy here at the shop because it's like Friday. Yep. There's a lot of people that are like, you know, from a customer standpoint, how are you going to handle that? But it's like, we're not open on Saturdays and we've, we've been working around that by pickup and delivery and loaner vehicles. I mean, we've got these solutions that work. We can make it work around customers. And most of them were just thought it was cool. You know, they were supportive of us being supportive of the employees because our, our local school district is on a four day week. So we align with that. And, you know, that's a pretty cool benefit for families that they're, work schedule can now align with a school schedule. Boy, I've been around the horn a little bit, but this is the first I've heard of a four-day school district. Yeah, different reasons for it, but basically neighboring school districts did it. And so I think ours kind of did as a retention tool, but yeah, so they're Monday through Thursday as well. Wow. Oof. I can see the pressure it puts on a family unless they could you know, align their, align their work the same way. So interesting. Give me a rundown of the shop. You said 4,500 square. How many bays technicians? So yeah, so we're 4,500 total, 3,500 of shop space. Originally, we had five bays in it. So there's five doors, one alignment rack, and then we had four two-post lifts. I was a sales rep, so I was in shops all the time before doing this. So I didn't want everything stacked rack to rack to rack. And then I realized if you just make wide open spaces between racks, it just fills up with junk. And so... A couple of years ago, we rearranged and figured out a way to squeeze two more lifts in. So we run six two posts in the alignment rack. How many service advisors? Two. And uh, and I have like an admin that's half advisor, half admin. Cool. And uh, did you say the number of techs? We have like three full-on techs, the apprentice and a light service GS. Walk down this interesting thought that I have about salespeople. You came from distribution and sales. You bumped into this empty facility. Did you buy a person out? No, we built it. You built it. Okay. You built it from scratch? Yeah, it was nuts. Yeah. In hindsight, it was nuts. Yeah. Business plan, SBA. I mean, did you have money stashed? I have a bachelor in automotive technology. So I have kind of a weird route and I worked in shop through college, planned on, okay, I'm going to come out, open a shop. Like you always hear the commercials about how banking, business banking. So then I met with the bank and they're like, yeah, there's no way. Like, we're not giving you money to start a shop. And so what the heck? So I partnered with a guy for about a year and then just realized, okay, this isn't the fit that I wanted. Went and worked for Napa for a couple of years and the itch was still there to do this. And so a combination of I got an old boss that didn't own or carry on the land. And then I got a private loan that got me functional going and then made it a few years and just refinanced it to better terms once I could. So it was very unconventional, just pulling whatever I could from wherever just to get it rolling. And it was a sprint, but it was, it was worth it. I don't know that I would want to do that same thing again. I think I would rather buy another shop, but uh, I'm glad I did what I did. It's been good. There's so many people that will buy an ongoing place for the first time and then 10 years out, they're struggling. You dove in literally deep into the pool. I believe, what, two or three years, you got yourself a coach. You opened your eyes to the fact that other elements inside the business need to have a coach. You committed to a level of training to employee retention. 
What about keeping the customers, that customer experience? What's going on there? The cool thing, I can do any of the positions in the shop. You know, I can work as an advisor. I feel like I'm decent with people. I can diagnose vehicles, but everybody in the shop does it better than me. So like I can do them all, but there's somebody that does every piece of the pie better than me. So now it's just synchronizing all of that. So, you know, we have good technology to present information to the customer. We've got good people that are are coached on how to make it a good experience, how to connect with people and be clear. And, and then we, you know, do good work and we stand behind it. So, you know, when we started, we were the only people, nobody had ever seen a digital inspection. And we started with a digital inspection seven years ago. I don't know any different other than shops I previously worked at, but our shop has been that way from the get go. Our waiting room is very female friendly and I can go to a community park that doesn't have a changing table in the men's bathroom, which bugs me because I have five kids and our shop does. It doesn't get used very often, but the thoughts there. And so I think there's just a lot of things like that, that whether or not it's, you know, used a ton, it's clear to the customers that we care and we're trying to convey that to them. Well, I love your story. It's great. I've got to have you back. I've got some passion to do an episode about distribution salespeople. And what it is that we, as an industry, the service professional want from their salesperson. Do they want the buy 10 cases, get one free this week, or do we want something else? And I'm pretty passionate about it. And uh, if you and I started discussing this, it would be two hours. Trust me, I believe. Because (laughs) number one, you may not shut me up, but I probably won't shut you up because you're from the cloth. I get it. I need to have you back on. I need to give you the premise of what I'm looking to accomplish with it. But you'd be just perfect to come on knowing that you did that job. I had a blast. Thank you so much, Ryan Baxter, Modern Auto Service, Fruitland, Idaho. Love your passion. You got a great story. And I think other people can look up to it and say, you know, woe is me. I've been in business for 20 years. And listen, this guy's been in business, what, seven? Look at where he is and what he's doing. Coaches and and a lot of good success going on. And I'm sure you're making money, right? Yeah, it took a little bit. It wasn't when I started the coaching. And it takes a while before... uh you implement what the coaches know that you think you know better. That's right. And a boy, uh, he just said confession. He just said confession. <laughs> That's right. Hey, come on back and appreciate you so much for being on Aftermarket Weekly. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. Bye.